HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hi, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberto's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, February 11th. This is the 53rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding, world-renowned chef, and I will introduce him in a moment. But first, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to aim for perfection. Okay, now I have to actually admit that I've never liked the word perfectionist, because I don't think anyone could be perfect. But I do like the idea of trying to be your best, giving your all in everything you do, and striving to be top-notch. I think rewards in life generally correlate with one's efforts. So aim to be your best self. That's my tip today. I'm really excited and honored to have my guest here. It is Didier Elena. He's the executive chef of the Chef's Club by Food and Wine in New York City and Aspen. Didier has a 25-year background cooking in some of the most esteemed kitchens from New York to Tokyo, including a long tenure working under Alain Ducasse. Didier was the executive chef at Alain Ducasse at the Essex House, during which time the restaurant was awarded four stars by the New York Times and voted Best New Restaurant by the James Beard Foundation in 2001. We are also joined today by Aaron Aritzbe, who is the chef liaison and storyteller at the Chef's Club. So welcome, both of you. Thank Hi. you for having us. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to hear more about your story and what it was like with working for Ducasse and now what you're doing at the Chef's Club. So 
I know you're from France. So where did you grow up and then when did you decide to go to cooking school and So actually I grew up in uh, in I born in grew up in Monaco. And uh, I think it's like, uh, you know, in uh, every life when uh, it's about meeting people. And uh, I wasn't on the direction of uh, the cooking school of uh, cooking industry. And uh, I met Ducasse. Uh, that was in 88, so a long time ago. And um, and we talked. And uh, I think it changed a little bit in my mind on that time. And uh, I think the day after we talked, uh, I started to cook to, to, to go through the restaurant the weekends. It was just six months after the opening. And uh, it was really the beginning. And uh, I fell really in love with that uh, environment, job. And uh, I stayed 22 years. <laughs> That's it. That's the story. Okay. So you went to cooking school before you met Ducasse? No, never. No, you didn't. I no. thought you went to school no, in no. Paris. I was I was in a medicine school. Oh. I stopped the medicine school, going to Ducasse, and after one year, I went through a school in Paris uh, for one year and a half, and I went back to Ducasse after that. So, in okay. fact, it was in two step. I did the school after starting the school in the in the kitchen. Right. So he really influenced. Oh yeah. You becoming a chef. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So then, what was what was your first position? I mean, I'm assuming you started at the bottom and oh yeah, we did the bottom. The like just try to understand how it's going on in the kitchen. One, what is a brigade? Because it's something very organized, and uh, and everybody has to do something, you know. And uh, trying to to uh, to understand how the the kitchen operate. That's the most difficult things at beginning to understand. And uh, it was really great because it was in Monaco at the weekends. The weekends is one of the most beautiful restaurants that I have seen. Uh, the space is outstanding and the, and, and the, and, and the crew, the, the, all the team is like very perfectionist. You don't like the word, but it's really, it's really the, uh, the case in Monaco, I think. And everything, every details was like uh, very uh, high, very, the pay attention of everything. It's, it was really great. Yes, I've been to Monaco, I mean, a long time ago when I was in college doing the backpacking thing, and I, they would not have let us in your restaurant <laughs> at that time. Um, but I remember it being a beautiful city, and I could just imagine the restaurant there. And so, so how did you, I mean, for me, I had so many jobs in my life and you stayed with someone for a long time so but you moved around with his restaurants yeah because it's uh, you know you have different way to uh, to grow in the industry or, 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 or seeing your career but uh, the, the thing it was really at the beginning of uh, when Ducat growing up and uh, every every year there was something new every year there was something a new challenge or uh, um, a new vision and it's 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 not boring it's like every every year you have something to learn or, or to challenge yourself so it's very exciting and uh, that was the part of the beginning we starting in 88 88 through uh, 92 93 when get to the three stars and after he opened the moustier which is a little inn in the back of monaco and after there was uh, uh, different things one in paris when he took over robuchon in 96 and after he was all the new spoon baribeuf all those restaurants uh, around the world i would say because he was at that time uh, london and hong kong and uh, and in 2000 he decided or he joined New York to open at the Essex House and he asked me if I wanted to join him for that team for the opening team and it was like fantastic because for uh, somebody who grew up in France and uh, having New York like this and uh, a beautiful space that uh, they designed to the, to the Essex House was like uh, 
uh, a dream come true, you know, something like, wow, blow your eyes. And uh, so I came here in 2000 and uh, everything was new. Culture was new. Language was new. I didn't know how to speak English. It was like uh, a big challenge for everything. I would imagine. But the similarity of still Ducasse-style restaurant. And, I mean, you've received so many different awards, and I, I, I'd never dine there either, which I'm the one in New York. But, I mean, what would you... I mean, you've stayed here since... since. I, actually, I did it back and forth. I was uh, I was there until 2006, and I went back to uh, to France uh, for different reasons, but mostly for family reason and uh, and visa problem. And I went through uh, um, after Japan uh, to open Beige, uh, so few months. But I, I was I get that experience also to another country. And I went back to France, and I took uh, uh, the position as the executive chef at uh, Les Crières in Reims. It's right in the middle of Champagne. It's beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, old house uh, with the three stars in the background. You know, but they lost the three stars because the chefs uh, retired, and uh, so that was another great experience on the north of France. And I stayed for four years and a half, five years almost, we get the two stars back uh, from Michelin. And uh, and after that was the opportunity uh, to coming back to New York at Adour. And uh, uh, the little story is that um, my my wife, she's French, but we had the two kids born here in New York and uh, we wanted to give them a little bit of uh, that piece. And uh, I think for their, their education also, it's, it's really great to... Uh, to be part of it, and uh, we decided to coming back in New York in 2010. So, in fact, it was for 15 years, but in two time. Got it. And I, you had told me when we met before this show how uh, you were kind of called in to get the Michelin stars, or get in a sense for the restaurants. Like it sounded to me like a bit of a like a relief pitcher or something. Like he knew he could rely on you to to bring I, I, a restaurant level up. I mean, is that is that correct? I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think you you work for the stars. Uh, the stars is the it's something you came after because you did a great job. First, you wanted to, to to deliver a message to the customers. So I think that's the most important when you're starting to think about a challenge or a restaurant. It's what I want to say to the customers, what I want to say through my cuisine or through the cuisine of somebody. It's like really the message that you want to deliver. And after you work about that, it's like a scenery when you're reading a book or when you're writing a book or you're making a movie, you said, this is my line, this is my uh, red line, uh, my target. And I'm so working for stars, it's, it's something right. that's never worked. You're first putting a job together starting to be to stick to your uh, scenario that you decide to your, to, through your message and after you build everything around and that makes complete sense yeah okay one more Ducasse question then we'll get into the chef's club what's the biggest takeaway you took from him or lesson you learned everything it's 22 years so I think he <laughs> he shaped me like a little you know when you shape a little piece of rock but um, I think that he never satisfied what he has, so it's always the research of the perfection. It's always like saying, okay, what I can do more for that? What I can, what is going to be the next? It's not looking on the back of what you did. It's just looking in front of you and said, what is going to be the next? So that's, I think it's one of the big characteristics of Ducasse. Uh, 
never said enough, just going, going, going and take something else and thinking about the food, what is going to be the next trend of the food, what's going to be the next uh, uh, food that we want to eat or food that we is going to be in the world. And I think it's, it's never stopped. So um, that was the biggest thing that I learned, like never sleep, just go, <laughs> go, go, go. Well, chefs don't sleep. <laughs> you don't need sleep for some reason. Okay, so now you made a big switch because the Chef's Club, let's let's talk about that because I'm familiar with it from being there. I had gone to the Aspen one when it first opened and now the New York City one, and I love the concept, but it's a big switch from working for a Ducasse restaurant. I don't know. It's part of the life. First, it's also meeting people. So Chef's Club, it's a, it's, it's a man whose name is Stéphane de Betz, who, who think about um, a new way to go through the restaurants. And um, he went through, uh, or he met with uh, Dana Cohen from uh, Food and & Wine, and he decided to do something like putting on stage some chef. And that idea is fantastic because you give the hands to somebody else and, uh, and, 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 and work together. So it's a thing, thing about uh, food, and uh, that's fantastic. So, yes, he started in, uh, in Aspen, in uh, Colorado, because of Food & Wine Festival. And, uh, and, 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 and it's, a f- it's a round of four chefs uh, working together on one menu. And uh, I think that's fantastic because um, my wish and my dream is to try to understand the most of the culture that I can. And when I decided to, to come in the U.S., it was also to be part of that country and to understand how it was and what is the f- the, the, the food. And um, I never realized that on the last two years, I learned so much by being with those old chefs and trying to understand and try and learn uh, from them uh, what is the their philosophy and that's it's all about chef's club it's really giving the experience that you have through the table and uh, it's fantastic it is i love the concept and it's it's so unique so aaron if you want to jump in here about how have you gone about selecting let's say the first four chefs and maybe you want to explain a little more to people who don't understand yeah that's really every chef's are part of uh, the best new chefs from food and wine. So first, it's a it's a work between uh, uh, Dana Dana Cohen and and the team of food and wine to pick the right people for the right uh, location, especially for Aspen. And after we jump in and we work with them and uh, try to to set the menu together. But the first is really that vision of the best new chefs of food and wine. Right. So they they've been doing this for 25 years now, and they do 10 each year. So you've got you know, uh, 250 people to choose from at this point, and um, that that sets up a, a network all across the country in in every single corner. And so, uh, Didier traveled a lot over these last few years, trying to sort of uh, doing some some scouting, some vetting uh, work a little bit. And um, I, th- I think one of the one of the biggest draws for these visiting chefs is they get to work with Didier, who is you know. Ducasse 20 plus years, but not someone who wants to stand in the foreground. He's he's uh, he's an executor. He's uh, he's like an assassin in a sense. You know, <laughs> it's like he's he's there and can cook so many different uh, types of cuisine and so many different levels of cuisine. I mean, if we asked him tomorrow to 
uh, try for four stars New York Times and we open a different restaurant, he could do it. And if we ask him tomorrow instead to make a bistro, he can do that just as well. It's like he's got this versatility that I think uh, is really, really incredible. And, and I see it every single time we have these chefs come through. It's like there's so much mutual uh, learning and sharing of information that happens between them. And it's, it's, it's really great. Yeah, so how long do chefs stay in the rotation? Like a couple months? No, just we started, as we started in, in Aspen, um, the rotation is one year because, in fact, you have two seasons, really full season in Aspen, the summer and the winter, and in between it's really, uh, you know, it's another city. But uh, So f- the four chefs stayed for one year. Okay. I'm thinking it was a short amount of time. Well, I want to get into who the chefs are there now but we're going to take a little break so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network song is called I Think I've Got My Baby by Camille Hartman. All in the industry coming right back. Hi, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Didier Elena, and we also have a special guest in the house, Aaron Arespe, making sure I'm saying your name correct. <laughs> I was trying to get Didier right. Do I say that correct? Very good. Okay. (laughs) Good. Now, the Chef's Club of New York and and Aspen. So it's it's Food & Wine Magazine's restaurant. So why don't we talk a bit, could you explain how Food & Wine is involved? And you're saying you get the chefs from the Best New Chefs, but what's their direct input in the magazine? Like, how does it work? you know, with the rotating chefs. In fact, the, the big picture of the idea is to have the, that magazine and becoming the magazine alive. So you, you turn the page, you see the food, but also you wanted to try the food. Uh, and it's, now it's possible because of, of the restaurant. So, in fact, it's, a, it's really the link between the restaurant and the magazine. It's for that, on the menu, you have those different best new chefs' dishes or signature dishes, but also some um, the salad of the month, the dessert of the month, uh, some selection of the wine uh, through the, the magazine, and that makes the this this restaurant and uh, 
this concept so special because it's it's, it's really the, uh, the the total of all those uh, experiences uh, together through a restaurant. Right. So who are the chefs that are are there now? So right now we have uh, Linton Hopkins from uh, Atlanta, uh, Le Pigeon. We have Gabriel uh, Le, P- Le Pigeon, Gabriel Rucker from uh, uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, we have Lachlan Patterson from Colorado, uh, Boulder, Colorado, and uh, Eric Anderson from uh, in, uh, Minneapolis. It's a great mix, and as you know, I was there solo dining. That's yeah. how we initially met, and um, I went with Gabriel Rucker's. I went with two of his dishes, even though I was thinking of mixing it up because they seemed to go well together. But what was amazing was I've, I've been to Portland, but I've never been to his restaurant. So now I can say I've had his Le Pigeon signature dish, which was wonderful, uh, in New York City, executed by you and your team. Yeah, that's also a, another aspect of the concept is like um, getting a touch of the signature of the philosophy of their, the, all those chefs. And when you travel and you're going to visit the, the city where they, they're working, you may have the wish to go in their restaurant to try the food. So if we can be the, in the between, it's not to replace the chef, it's just to give an idea of what they're doing. And it, it's good because when you look at the four chefs, what we have in New York, it's four different philosophy. It's four different uh, uh, corner of the country so, 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 so the approach of the food is totally different but together in a one menu yeah it's exciting it's I mean you've also done some special dinners with these chefs exactly on the okay. back on the back of the the restaurant we have a, a room that we call uh, Chef's Club Studio it's a very intimate uh, room 20 people can be sit and um we try to have uh, chefs coming in and um, driving a, a special menu on a certain night. And this is really, uh, really an interaction between chefs and the customers. It's only 20 people sit at the same time, talking together. There's their own cuisine in that room, so you can see the chefs preparing the food and asking questions if you have some questions to ask. It's a really an experience all, all together with the wine, with the food, uh, and talking about uh, um, how the idea be how the idea of the food, why they, where they're coming from, and, and stuff like this. So it's it's really an interaction between the customers and the, and and and, uh, and the chefs. Right. What's a recent one you did or you have coming up? So we had um, we had uh, Linton Hopkins came in. We had uh, uh, Lachlan Patterson and Eric Anderson who came already. Right this week we have uh, Ben Sokol, and uh, uh, next week we will have uh, Gabriel Rocker, another best new chef, so who is part of the the, the the menu also in the main uh, restaurant, uh, who is going to come for three days. Yeah, so Ben is uh, from Providence, Rhode Island, a restaurant called Birch, and uh, he's the first chef that's outside of the roster of the former Best New Chefs, and um, he was one of the, the first people that, that I brought through there because I've been to his restaurant, I guess, two or three times now, and um, it's, it's really, really spectacular. It's very creative, a lot, of, a lot of amazing vegetable dishes in particular, and really, really great uh, seafood from Rhode Island, and... Uh, I just think he's somebody that uh, we felt had a sense of authorship in his food and had a, had a very clear voice in his food, and so we wanted to bring him in. We had uh, last night the first of his dinner series, and tonight he'll be there again. 
Um, he's been doing 10 courses. But really, the the setup in the studio can be anything. It can be all over the place. You know, it can be a very long, intricate tasting menu if they want. And if they just want to do tapas instead, we can do that as well. It's like it's it's up to the chef. They have autonomy. Uh, they are just people that we think are exceptional talents, and we don't want to get in their way, <laughs> essentially. Um, we'll have, I'm trying to think, I guess beyond uh, Gabriel Rucker in a couple of weeks, we'll have also Gray Nonis and Michael Fotosek from um, Olame in Austin. It's uh, sort of a southern restaurant, much in the style of like a husk or something along those lines. Um, and, you know, we have our eyes internationally. We have our eyes all over the place, <laughs> yeah, essentially. We will have uh, Hélène Darroze soon uh, from Paris. We will have Akram also from Paris. David Toutain, David Toutain. Uh, is coming <laughs> also. Uh, Alexandre Couillon, uh, Gilles Epier, who has been a best new chef, but in uh, 90... I don't remember exactly, but 92 or 93. And he returned back to France. He opened a restaurant named uh, Citrus Etoile. So it's very nice. You know, it's like the community is coming uh, together. It's very nice. Yeah, it's so, it's so impressive. And I'm sitting here thinking you could eat at the Chef's Club pretty much every night and try different chefs and, and different dishes because you also have dishes on the menu that are yours or yeah or, no, so, right I, 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 I don't like the, the the idea of saying that it's two restaurants in one but you have really two space so on the back you have those uh, uh, the little studio with the different chefs and in France you have the four chefs that we uh, we said we talked about the best new chefs and this is that stay every day. That's the that's, that's the menu, and uh, yeah, we complemented uh, some some dishes uh, from our own because at the end of the day, you wanted to have a menu who uh, who we can have the choice of a crudo or a salad or a soup. You know, it's like uh, uh, the customers going in a restaurant. It's not going in a show. It's it's a part of the show, but it's a restaurant. Right. It's a beautiful space. It was I know designed by David Rockwell. Yeah, David Rockwell did an amazing job um, with a very open kitchen. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how do you feel about the very open kitchen? It's it's part of the experience because it's it's all it's the the restaurants it's uh, talking about the chefs and I think it's very it was very important to get all that uh, very open space uh, open space and uh, so uh, as I said the president of the company Stefan created that in uh, uh, in in Aspen uh, three three four years ago and uh, they reproduce it in uh, in New York with a different uh, with a different. Uh, architecture because it's 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 a downtown with a brick with a, all that stuff but it's a very open uh, restaurant open space right so between aspen and new york how are you managing the bo- both i think you're on, on the both north? place on the both place we have uh, executive chefs okay. who run the 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 room uh, in aspen is a todd schlossberg and uh, in new york it's matt Ida. Uh, they are very 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 nice chefs very nice person and uh, we communicate every day about uh, the two place and we try to uh, um to do our best to deliver every day the the food well, I think you are. I can't wait to go back because being there solo and I only had two dishes, it's, there's a lot more to try. Yeah. <laughs> sure, for sure. Let me ask you the question I had from last week. So I asked Leslie Sprocco, who's my guest on episode 52. Uh, she's an award-winning author, speaker, wine consultant, and tele- television host. So I asked her to ask you a question. So her question is... When you are cooking, do you have a wine glass in your hand? And if so, what are you drinking? 
So if I'm cooking at home, yes, I have a glass I assume of she meant at home. I don't, I didn't, I, I, you can answer that however you want. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it, for me, the wine is a part important of the food. It's, it's, it's 50-50. I'm, uh, I'm a big, big fan of, of, of wine. Um, I know more geographically and by name French wine because I grew up there. Um, but I'm very open to uh, to different wine, and I think it's part of the experience. It's, there is no great food with no wine, and and, uh, and vice versa. So I think it's, that's very important. To talk about my favorite, um, I would say it, a stupid answer. Anything is good, but uh, um, my heart is going more on the, the Rhone Valley. Uh, I love the typicity of a spicy. Uh, peppery wine, and uh, I think it's going very well with uh, with the food. Okay, great. I was when you're when you're answering, I was thinking that it's obvious that you're working for a place by food and wine magazine. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's part together. Of, yeah, it's mm-hmm. together. Right. Okay, terrific. She's she's a, a a fun lady, knows her wine, and likes, and I think she cooks with a wine glass in her hand. That's great. Okay, we're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back and do my speed round game, talk some industry news. It's all in the industry here at the Trader Network. And this one's called Kill Me in the Summertime by the Dead Stars. National Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Didier Elena and Aaron Erispay. They are from the Chef's Club of New York. It is time for my speed round game. Do you both want to play? It can be fun. Okay. So what I do is I'm going to name two things and you just pick your preference. Like chocolate or vanilla. Got it. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Eat in or eat out? Out. In. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Wine. Uh, cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Small. <laughs> I like having two people. It's fun. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? <laughs> Hot topic? I used to be a waiter, so I'm not sure how to answer this. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about tipping in the industry news, but do you, you're both kind of... All-inclusive, I'll say. Okay. I think it makes more sense. Both. Both. Okay, cool. 
communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Chef's counter. All right, Didier, this was just for you. Cooking or expediting? Hmm. Uh, I think you need the two of them. Uh, cooking is really uh, the heart of the of the of the night. It's really the the bad things to do because it's giving a little bit of piece of you in the in the plate. So that's the that's we're doing the job for that. But you need a good expediter also to make sure because a restaurant is a service and the right. service it's I think it's it's two different things. Uh, it's a, you have one side you cooked and the other side is a service. The service is a job. The cooking is really the what you love to do or making love or whatever uh, the name that you want to name it but uh, cooking is the passion uh, service or expedite it's it's the part of the, the of the job and make sure that the customers have a great experience so it's two different uh, aspects of the job that makes sense got it okay a couple more well, open kitchen or closed kitchen definitely open kitchen open <laughs> okay cheese plate or dessert ah uh, cheese plate. Dessert. You guys sure you get along? You like each other? <laughs> Lots of difference. It's okay. <laughs> and last one. Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, or Aspen? You're looking at me like I can't answer that. The world. <laughs> <laughs> can pick one. It's impossible. Okay. I think the diversity is what we're looking for. Very good. I'll go with Manhattan. All right. <laughs> Let's do some talk some industry news. So, in the Wall Street Journal this week, there was an article by Jay Cheshire's called the, the Chipotle Effect, How Chefs Are Reinventing Fast Food. So, I've talked about this on my show a bit, how this fast casual trend is growing, and there's a lot of big-name chefs that are, are opening casual places, um... In the article, they had Franklin Becker with The Little Beat, Josh Skeens, who's opening a place, uh, Fat Noodle from San Francisco. You have Jose Andres doing Beef Steak. And also I saw on this um, someone who's at the Chef's Club, Lachlan uh, McKinnon-Patterson. He's opening a pizzeria local in Denver. So what's your what's your take on this? Um, to be honest, I think uh, the cuisine, the, the the food business is a reflect of the society. So if the people wanted that, it's because it's the it's what we wanted now. The only thing that we have to think it's about uh, what are you doing with that? What is the fresh product with the fresh everything? So I think every every kind of cuisine is is nice unless you use the right products. I'm really against the mass production, and I think this is the only thing that you have to erase from, 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 the, from the world. It's trying to protect the world. The world is the thing that gives us life, and we need to protect that. That's the only, the only position. After any kind of thing, street food, uh, fast food, everything is great. The only thing is really uh, to be focused on the product and uh, try to avoid all the mass production. Who killed the world? Yeah, I, I think a lot of these people as well. Uh, Josh Gaines, for example, is an incredible chef, and he's not ju- he's not just an incredible cook. And, uh, and Lachlan Patterson, the same kind of thing. I mean, it's it's like these guys know how to allocate their manpower, and they know how to allocate their resources and set up a brigade such that when they're not there, it's functioning just fine. I mean, I imagine Josh is going to be in Cezanne still. Uh, five nights a week, and I, I 
can't picture him on the line of, of the noodle place as, as awesome as that noodle place is probably going to be. But I think it's just it's just a matter of uh, there being actually relatively few people who are capable of doing it on a, on a very um, efficient level, maybe, uh, because there's so much that goes into it. There's so much planning. I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think about the base of Momofuku, for example, being in New York, but there being one in Sydney and there being one in Toronto and all this kind of thing. Like the Jean Georges of the world, there there are very few. There are very, very few. And, uh, I mean, I think uh, Jay's a fantastic writer, by the way. That was a really good piece. He is, and I um, know him. And I, I think he, he was able to really uh, put it into a concise yeah. fashion. And, and yeah, I, I thought, I mean, this. I think this trend is just going to keep growing. I think there's going to be more oh, high-end chefs going going for the more fast casual. Because, as, as you said, it's, it's, it's what people want. I think uh, it, it goes hand in hand with the conversation of whether or not fine dining is dead or whether it's dying or what have you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I think the need for both extremes of the spectrum will always be there. It will always be there. Right. Yeah, I agree. Okay, another article. So this is the tipping. So in Crane's New York business, it was also picked up in Gothamist, which my engineer Jack pointed out to me. Thank you, Jack. So the article is Eateries at the Tipping Point, and it's by Lisa Fickenshire, uh, mostly talking about Tom Colicchio's restaurants and how he's thinking of eliminating tipping, which would then maybe raise the menu prices by, by about 22%, and talking about you know how the state might raise the hourly rate from $5 to $8.50. Um, Tom also said in this article that he suspects 10 years from now no one will know what a tip is. It's a big statement. <laughs> I mean, do you think no one's going to know what a tip is 10 years from now? <laughs> I don't know. If you look if you look the big pictures, if you look the different uh, options in the world, there, there are some restaurants, there's no tipping uh, restaurant. The whole country, there's no tipping restaurants. And, uh, but... In fact, it's more uh, deep than that because you have to change all the, the mentality, the culture, and, and everything. I think it's going to be very difficult uh, uh, to 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 that to get to have that kind of uh, change drastically, uh, like really a mm-hmm. big change. Um, everything is possible, but what I what I know it's like. When you look at different country, when you're going out to different country, there's different uh, way to going out. So it's all tipping. Um, so everything is possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I worked at Charlie Trotter's in 1997, long time ago. I was a server, and I was salaried. We didn't. I mean, he was he was always ahead of the curve with everything he was doing. But that was one thing most people, a lot of people didn't know that we were salaried tips. It was all, it was inclusive. And that was a long time ago. So I think there are places, I mean, you have Grant Ackett's doing it and it's, it's been catching on, but it will be interesting to see if it will go across the board to more casual restaurants. You know, I, I ask myself who's going to be sort of the, what's, what's going to be the tipping point for it? Because there are already a lot of very vocal, uh, uh, sort of, you know, spokesman for the for the cause, if you will. Uh, I mean, Grant Atkins is one. Dan Patterson in, in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Amanda Cohen's recently reopened. Dirt Candy operates on that same premise. Um, I think that there has long been 
a lot of discontent about the disparity between front of house and back of house compensation and, yeah, and that setup goes a long way towards uh, helping that and so I, th I think that it's definitely catching on in the larger cities. I don't know whether it's whether it's doing the same in Nashville or Austin or you know Charleston or whatever. I, I do know that at the you know in Chicago, San Francisco, and New York, it's definitely starting to take hold. And I think it's just going to need one really really big chef to say, "All my restaurants, this is what we're doing from now forward." Uh, you guys should do it as well. Yeah. You know? I just wonder if it would affect service, like the stuff. I mean, I think in the U.S. we're used to great service because I think, you know, they're working for the it's tips. Incentivized, yeah. Versus in, in Europe sometimes it's not as, there's not as the incentive as much with service I've seen. But I don't know if it would change things. I mean, certainly if you go to, uh, you know, Grand Ackett's or when these restaurant services superb right um so i i just wonder if that would affect things that where servers are no longer working for tips you know if they're just oh, making totally. a base. And, and you have to you have to imagine that the managers in these restaurants are hiring with the higher level of scrutiny to begin with and so if if they switch maybe it's not as impactful as if a very very casual restaurant switches and then it's like wait a minute where's where's my server i can't find my server he or she is getting paid the same amount of money whether or not they help us out at all, uh, whether or not they they help us have a great experience or not. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if I'm doing my show 10 years from now, what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to take one more break, come back, I'm going to do my solo dining experience. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. And this one's called Crying Blues by the California Honey Drops. We'll be right back. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Now, this week, I went to Coten. Here's the rundown. The location, 21 Bedford Street near Downing Street in Manhattan's West Village. The concept, a cozy Italian restaurant and wine bar. The chef owner, Roberto Pozzone, who also owns Aria and Terra Tribeca wine bars. Why did I go? Because I was in the hood, and I was looking for a nice casual spot to eat after a terrific but very long day at the Bitten Food Conference. My experience? I arrived early, on the early side on a Friday night, got a seat at the bar. The place was intimate with less than 30 seats, including the bar stools. The staff was helpful and pleasant, and the candlelit ambiance and rustic setting were perfect for my mood. What did I get? The menu consisted of bruschette, salumi grilled meats, pastas, and many specials. I went with the octopus salad, which was one of Roberto's signature dishes, and I ended with an espresso. My take? It was a nice-sized portion of tender octopus, cooked perfectly. 
along with the house Italian bread with fine olive oil. It was a great meal. The scene, friends and dates. Perfect for friends and dates. Interesting tidbit. The space used to be Eno, a well-received wine bar. Personal fun fact. I represented Roberto Pozzon many years ago when he was the chef at his namesake restaurant in Hell's Kitchen. He was not the owner of that restaurant, and I haven't worked with him since, but I always liked his cooking. And he's a very nice guy. The cost, $23, not including tax and tip. Would I go back? Yes, especially on a date. Website, I couldn't find one, but they do have a Facebook page, and the spelling of the name, Coten, is C-O-T-E-N-N-E. There we have that. Okay, time for the final question. So, Didier, next week I'm having... Actually, not next week. In two weeks, I'm having on Allie Rosen, who's the host and producer of Potluck Video, which her tagline is bringing everyone to the table with the best food, drink, and travel videos online. I happened to just peek at Facebook before this show, and I saw that she posted that she's been nominated for an Emmy for her show because it's on NYC Media, which is really amazing. So, congratulations, Allie. So... I know, I just threw a lot at you. Anyways, what I would like, Didier, is a question for Allie, and she does, she basically does food and travel videos. What is the last travel you did for food? What's the last thing? Travel, trip. Oh, the last trip? Okay. Very good. I will ask her. I think she travels a lot. Okay, that's the show. So, thank you both so much for taking the time out to come out here. And um, it's been fun. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. So I've been speaking with Didier Lena. He's the executive chef at the Chef's Club by Food & Wine in New York City and Aspen, as well as Aaron Arispey, who's the st- storyteller, I'll just call him that, of the Chef's Club of New York as well. Now, you can find their website, chefsclub.com, on social media, at Didier Elena, at Chef's Club NY, and at Pocket Fork. My social media is at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry, at Heritage underscore Radio, Facebook page, All in the Industry. My website's BayerPublicRelations.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my engineer, Jack, and everyone out there listening. I will be away next week warming up at South Beach Food and Wine Festival. I will be back Wednesday, February 25th at 4 p.m. with another live show. Next week, we're going to play back my episode with the New York Post restaurant reviewer, Steve Cuso. If you haven't heard it, it's a good one, if I say so myself. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.